You're listening to the Lost Chill Podcast with Katie and Kimmy. For years now, I have had the pleasure of listening to the wit, banter, and pure joy from these two, and now I invite you to share in the delight of listening to them discuss the books they're currently reading. Whether you are a fellow dedicated bibliophile or simply wish you had more time to read, you will love hearing the insight and discussions around the stories they dive into. So grab a cup of coffee or pour a glass of wine and let's jump on in. Katie and Kimmy, take it away. Bonjour, bonjour. Welcome to the Lost Chill Podcast. I'm Katie. And I'm Kimmy. We're your stupendous hosts. Welcome to episode eight. This week we're discussing Alex E. Haro's The 10,000 Doors of January. But first, let's catch up a little. Kimmy, what you reading? So I just started The Echo Wife by Sarah Gailey and it's intriguing so far. A little depressing to start, but... I'm eager to see where it goes. It's, All right. seems to be making the rounds, and I'm, I'm yeah. intrigued. So. I've seen it a lot around lately, too, on Instagram. Yeah, so what spines have you been cracking lately? Oh. <laughs> Kimmy. <laughs> so I'm going to share with you guys that this week was rough for me. My house is being remodeled, and work, and vacation next week, and I got behind. And I was literally listening to the epilogue on the way over here to record this. (laughs) So I had my phone in the shower listening to the audiobook for this. Thank you for showering for me. You're welcome. It's more for work for tomorrow. Yeah, you're welcome, though. Mm. Um, So this is the only book I have read this week. Well, that's not true. I needed to finish my work book club book so i just finished mexican gothic a couple days ago as well so finally finally (laughs) i have been how'd you like that one it was decent it was decent it actually kind of ties into this book a little bit slightly slightly i'll explain later okay well we post reviews for all sorts of books on our own instagram at katie's lost chill and at kimmy's lost chill Katie does things all willy-nilly, and she just posts whatever she damn well pleases. But I will post a review for every single book I read in the (laughs) order I read them, plus a little bit of splendid and wondrous things here and there in between. The Instagram for our podcast, at The Lost Chill, will focus all week on the 10,000 doors of January. We sincerely hope you join the conversation about this magical book with us there. Now, before I forget, I want to remind you that this episode will contain spoilers. Without further ado, let's get this party started. <laughs> I can't not do it now. I you cannot do to. it. I have to do I, it. I would cry if you did Yeah, you like looked at me with such anticipation. It was fantastic. <laughs> Um, my Instagram is not willy nilly for the record. It's, it is methodical. Don't look at me like that. There, what's the method? I post shit. <laughs> but no, no, I can't with you. I know. So let's talk about the author. So, uh, since Katie was running so late, I tried to get some info this week for once. <laughs> Usually that's her gig. So I learned that Alex Ihara was born one month and four days before Taylor Swift. Goodreads also lists her as having 13 distinct works. You're forbidden from ever doing this segment 
ever again. Ever. Fine. (laughs) Take it away, Caitlin. (laughs) Before I do, while we're on the subject, I will feed into your bullshit. (laughs) And did you notice that there was 13 chapters in this book? What? Yeah, I'm shocked you did not notice that. (laughs) I really didn't. Uh, Do you think maybe she's a Swifty as well? Or just someone like myself who has always loved the number 13? I'm not addressing that. I'm going to go with no comment. Alex, please let me know. Swifties forever. Let's (laughs) unite. You and I will get together with Emma Lord. She also is a big Swifty. So I'm here for my authors loving her too. And if you just love 13, that's cool too. And if you none of these answers are correct, that's also cool. <laughs> so I did have a little bit of time to look up some author facts for you. Alex Haro E. Haro, Alex E. Haro, which I call her. Whatever you feel the like. The author. She grew up in Kentucky, where she still lives today. And this story does have a few Kentucky roots, since that's where Aid was from. And then she's basically a genius and went to college at 16, This was her first book, and it won several awards. Another connection from the book to her real life is that she was an academic historian before becoming an author, just like our friend Julian or Yule Ian, whichever (laughs) name you prefer. As of now, we're planning on another episode later this year featuring her other book, The Once and Future Witches. I can't wait for that. I've been pushing for that for a while, so I was really crossing my fingers that you would like this one. Yeah, I know. It was kind of, uh, she has no chill. Do you think she's lost it? Wait, me. No, I'm talking about you. Oh, yeah. I lost that a long time ago. Yeah, you lost that a long time ago. (laughs) Oopsie poopsie. So as of this writing, The 10,000 Doors of January has a 4.07 rating on Goodreads, and it was released September of 2019. Well, moving on to the book, The 10,000 Doors of January introduces us to a girl named January, whose mother is dead, and she is in the care of her father's employer, Mr. Locke, who is part of an archaeological artifact society. Her father is never around, always out traveling the world, and brings back artifacts from Mr. Locke's collection. As we read along, we only know what January knows, and so is a stereotypical angsty beginning of someone stifled by a place that they don't truly belong with absent parents. At one point, January stumbles across a mysterious door and ends up writing a story about that door. Immediately after she writes it, she finds the literal door in front of her has turned into a portal to a faraway land. After this... Mr. Locke gets unreasonably mad with her, and she is in tons of trouble in what she saw is more or less chalked up to childish imagination. And while January doesn't focus on this too much the following years, because she obeyed the demands to be kept quiet, Mm -hmm. she still kept a coin that she picked up while she was on the other side of the door. Then we're back to January, feeling out of place in Mr. Locke's high society world. Luckily, though, she has a few friends who get her through this time. First, a nursemaid named Jane turns up to care for her, apparently sent by her father. There's a boy named Samuel who delivers food from the local grocer. Samuel and January were childhood friends who would often play together, and he would bring January books to read. Once they were a bit older, though, he brings her an even better gift. Wait, what? What could possibly be a better gift than a book? A puppy! (laughs) A puppy is the best possible gift! So... He gives her a puppy who she names Sinbad, but calls bad. Samuel definitely gives some great gifts. January also keeps finding some mysterious items appear in a chest. She assumes that these gifts are left by Mr. Locke for her to find. Eventually, she finds a book. 
And here is where we end up getting a story within the story. It starts off seemingly random. It talks about doors in general and confirms January's suspicions that they exist. Then we learn about a girl who's wandering around her farmland and stumbles across someone who she calls Ghost Boy. Their initial meeting is far too quick and they agree to meet again in three days. However, he never shows. At first, I was getting a little bit confused by this, but eventually when it was revealed that the characters in the story were January's parents, my mind was actually blown. Back in the world, January is told by Mr. Locke that her dad is presumed dead, while Jane insists he's just missing. As soon as this happens, Mr. Locke and his society shift and become eerie and suspicious, though we don't know why at first. The rest of the book goes back and forth between the storylines as we try to unravel exactly what happened to January's parents and what the society is truly up to. So how did you feel about the dual story thing? I wasn't a fan of it first. Yeah. But it really did grow on me towards, actually towards the point where we find out that the book is being written by her father, which I did call. I wrote it down. I wrote it down. Did you? Yeah. What page were you on? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I wrote it down. Page 134 Let me see. is when maybe I decided I that um, her dad was writing it. I Oh, maybe I guess I didn't write specifically that. I put, so as soon as I explained doors and word workers in the world that Adelaide searched for, I realized that it was her parents. Yeah, I'm not sure if I actually wrote down what was going on. What was going on. I just looked at the page number. Yeah, I probably should have done that. That would have been better, but oh well. But I didn't bring my Kindle so I could reference what was going on. So you're welcome. That's all right. So I know that you tend to not like the dual storylines. Yeah. But I think... What really tied this one together was that kind of factor. Um, I remember in the secrets you kept. You... Secrets we kept. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't keep any secrets. Oh, yeah. Oopsie. <laughs> yes, in the secrets we kept. <laughs> um, you mentioned that you wish the stories had intertwined more. Yeah. And we didn't even know how that would have been possible. Right. But here I think what was great is because they were like two lines that were angled towards each other that eventually intersected and right. both met up in the present. And I think that these needed to intersect or what's the point? Right. So which was wonderful. That's why I didn't necessarily mind it in this. And then obviously the story of um the 10,000 doors, the book that her dad was writing eventually ends. And it ends about halfway through the book. Yeah. So you you lose a story and it essentially just goes back to a singular story, which was pretty cool to see too, because it's like, all right, so they, they intertwined, they intersected, and now we're back to a singular story that includes the other story. Yeah. So it was just this weaving. I, I really enjoyed how it was done. Yeah. So um, I think I'm going to need more wine before we go any further, but first I have a joke for you. All right. Knock, knock. <laughs> what? I'm already laughing. You don't even know the joke. I know. Knock, knock. Who's there? Madame. Madame who? <laughs> <laughs> My damn foot stuck in the door. Let me in. <laughs> it's so much better when the other one doesn't know the joke. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> Thank you. I need more wine to deal with you. All right, fair enough. We'll be right back. 
Without a doubt, you are currently enjoying the pure hilarity and delight while listening to the Lost Chill podcast. But I know, in about an hour or so, that old familiar sinking feeling will creep in. What do you even do each week after you finish listening to the latest episode of The Lost Chill? You miss the crazy shenanigans, the silly hootenanny, the general hullabaloo? If only there was another podcast you could listen to that had all those things. Well, have I got some good news for you? There is, and it's called the Death Metal Disco Podcast, hosted by our friend James who talks about whatever the heck he pleases. We can promise that you will be absolutely tickled as he rambles on about anything and everything. Again, it's the Death Metal Disco Podcast. That's death as in the opposite of life, metal as in a genre of music that Taylor Swift has not gotten into yet, and disco, the place where some have been known to panic at. Be sure to check it out and be sure to let James know that Katie and Kimmy sent you. Enjoy! All right, you all refreshed? Yeah, I think so. All right, so I'm not going to start at the actual beginning of the book, but in the beginning of her mom's story in the book January Finds. One of our freaking purple elephants comes up again! Which one? And that's the power of names and how they fit a person. Mm. It's funny how that keeps coming up everywhere. In fact, our friend James just had a whole episode dedicated to names on his podcast, The Death Metal Disco. Hilarious. Everyone should definitely go check that out. Personally, I thought it was interesting that aid was the name used to shout warnings and admonitions due to its sharp harshness. I always find when I'm yelling out warnings and admonitions to people, I prefer the full name. The longer, the better. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Absolutely. Nicknames are thrown in there too with my daughter. Uh, The longer, the better. It just seems to... And you have to shake your fist. Absolutely. Yeah. Your Italian grandma showing. (laughs) So sorry. I think that's fun. So wait, does your son have a food related name? No. No, he doesn't. Do they have matching? Because I give all of my kids animals. So I don't know if you like matched and did weird things like me. I have big love bug and little love bug. (laughs) You call him that? Yeah. And then boy, I call him boy. And then, (laughs) you know, and then I've also recently started calling him bug of loves because he thinks it's hilarious because he's five <laughs> all right that's pretty cool i i don't know i just love nicknames the names for kids they're yeah. they're a freaking hoot especially when they become teenagers and then they hate them um that too my son isn't quite there yet no he, he will be soon yeah yeah he's when he was younger he was like so infatuated with the idea of nicknames i think it's that thing where you just like it makes you feel like you belong and like your extra love to have like a pet name like they're called and so you've met him we would tell him a few times we wouldn't call him this name but we would tell him he was an ako taco (laughs) and so one time uh like one of those like meet the student of the week was saying you know, do you have any nicknames? And he writes down taco. I'm like, oh, <laughs> tried so hard. Yeah. Well, I mean, so we... if you ever want to call him taco, you can. I definitely will. <laughs> so another big name point was the name January. We eventually learned that she was named for the double faced God Janus. What's funny is 
I found this to be a multi-layered Easter of egg. Of course you did. It's partially explained. In the book, it's said that the namesake is chosen for his dual nature because he was looking forward and back and presided over places between past and present, here and there, endings and beginnings, over doorways in short, is what the book said. It's almost as if they like drew that conclusion on their own, like he's the god of those things, but we'll just call them doorways. But if you actually Google Janus, it says point blank, he is the god of doorways. I did not know that. Yeah. And it says doorways, beginnings, and endings, because no one's ever just the god of one thing. This is, again, heavily layered, because for one, she is constantly labeled as an in-between girl, since she's not fully from one world or the other, and her parents even have different skin colors. But it goes even further how he is the god of endings and beginnings. At one point, there was this description that just gave me pause because of the, just the contrast and juxtaposition of them. Pause Look. because of bad? No. Oh, different pause. <laughs> You're you. welcome for the pun. <laughs> Normally, she gets oh, me with the puns. Oh, gosh. Anyways. So it made me hesitate and contemplate with admiration for the well-written sentence. But it said uh, her parents were basically blissfully intertwined, and her mother was thinking of happily ever afters and sweet-tasting endings, while her father was thinking about once upon a time's and bold beginnings. And I didn't even put that together at first. I was just like, man, that's so weird that two people are there feeling so in love, and one's thinking of endings and one's thinking of beginnings. Right. And that one also got me, too. But... I have another Easter egg for you. Ooh, do tell. Yes. Mr. Locke. Lock. Doors. Because he was the closer of doors. Right. I, Katie told me this before the podcast. I didn't get it till she told me at all. Well, it like just hit me in the fucking head. It was the strangest thing. I was just sitting there reading and I was like, lock, doors. What? That one is super obvious too. Right. Because I was expecting the boat to be more. Because they called it the key. Yeah. No, I was too. it never really left that world. It was just... So that one I kept waiting for, yeah. but lock and key would have gone... I don't know. It was... But yeah, lock, that makes so much sense. That was crazy. That was. And it was in such plain sight. And I was just like... <laughs> and I didn't even get it. It's so just... just Like, I don't know. It was so low key? Hidden in plain sight. Oh, yeah. You're just better going to <laughs> Redo it? <laughs> no, that was okay. great. <laughs> So this book has footnotes, which is unusual for a fictional work. And in one of them, Yule mentions cats seem to exist and be pretty much the same in every world. And he thinks that cats have just been slipping in and out of doors for years. However, that's really the only mention of cats. One of the main characters is January's dog, Bad. So do you think that dogs are from this world? (sighs) Bad. (laughs) So... I will get to your question in a moment. Okay. But I need to fangirl real hard over I Bad. I knew you would. So Bad reminds me of my puppers yes. for so many reasons. Yes. Uh, my dog, his name is Jackson. He he has an Instagram. He does. It's at Jackson underscore the underscore <laughs> mile high dog. He's famous. He's pretty famous. So from the get-go, she mentions... That Samuel's siblings sold the rest of the litter to tourists by claiming 
they were rare African lion hunting dogs. And I think that's hilarious because my dog is a mutt, but (laughs) we suspect he has Rhodesian Ridgeback in him. And that is an African lion hunting dog. So he's basically badass. (laughs) (laughs) And the show's full of puns tonight. So funny. Um, So I love that from the get-go. He is like my ginormous, fierce protector. Yeah. I love him. And then the other thing, the sadder thing. I know. Is that in the book, Bad got hurt a lot. And this reminded me of my puppers because he got hurt last year. Probably going downstairs or something, but he's permanently pretty limpy now. Typically goes and hops along on three legs. It varies day by day, and it's very sad. And it's back leg, too. It is. So it was just getting me all in the feels. But I was crushed about a quarter of the way through the book when I thought that he was dead. I know. That's when I thought you would get mad at me. Yeah. Because no, I was. That's why I texted you and I was like, I'm broken or whatever I said. Yeah, because that that was one of uh, Katie's rules when we started this club. She's like, I will do nothing where puppies die. No puppy tears at all. And then Marley and happened. me is never going to happen on this episode. <laughs> so I was really worried. But luckily, um, Bad was okay. Funny thing. I don't know if you've noticed on Goodreads, but... One, authors have pages that they can attach and write yes. to. But two, people can go to books and ask questions like, is this appropriate for my daughter to read? Or yeah, is this yeah, an yeah. Involved? I've seen Blah. that. Someone asked if the dog dies. And Alex wrote back and it said like contains spoilers. But she goes, no, I would never do that to you. Oh, man. She just got major brownie points for that answer. <laughs> right? <laughs> what an angel. Seriously, I can't deal with that. Like... I'm still upset about, I know this is a movie and you hate when I relate movies to this podcast, but John Wick and his fucking dog. Have you seen that movie? No. Oh God. My heart was ripped out and my husband still makes fun of me for that because of my reaction to it. Because I was like, not the dog. No, there's something about dogs. I don't know if you recall when I was pregnant and we watched Pete the dragon. (laughs) Yeah, I'll bring up movies too. This is a movie podcast. Yeah, it's now now. a movie podcast. Uh, But basically, you know, Pete and the dragon can't. Wait, no. What's his name? Pete is the dragon. What's the boy's name? Oh, I don't know. There's this boy. (laughs) (laughs) He's best friends with the dragon. And obviously, the boy has to go and live with people, and the dragon has to go do dragon things, whatever little dragons do. And they eat tacos, according they, to the children's book. We're not talking about books. We're talking. Oh, so sorry. About the movie. <laughs> sorry. Movie podcast. So he has to let the dragon go free. And so my husband was like, all right, this just proves it's for the best. We have to let Jackson go free. I bawled unconsolably. Like he was obviously joking, but my little pregnant heart <laughs> could not handle even the idea. Of Spoiler that. alert, that was not the only time where she cried in that pregnancy. <laughs> Things happened. It was a rough one. It happens. So go even further, answer your question now. Yes, we'll get back to the question after our movie podcast. So one of the things that frequently happened in all these other worlds and through all their doors, was that the other beings had powers. She mentions dogs at one point having the power of being able to tell 
if a person's a good person or bad yeah. person or not. So that could be their power. So I think that they did wander in from another world. They probably did because I don't trust anybody that my dog does not love. Um, like I mentioned earlier in this episode that we're having our house redone and the guys are there while we're at work all day and our dog doesn't bother him at all. Like is totally fine with them being in our house. Granted, they've been in our house for a while now, but (laughs) even at the beginning, like he was completely fine with it. And that's what makes me okay with it is because he was all right with it. There's only been a couple of people where I'm like, what are you up to where he hasn't liked them? It's strange. Jackson tends not to like people. He is interesting because he has his levels of comfort. Like he does not let anyone near my daughters at all. Yeah. And then there's other times. One like usually he loves the dog park, of course, and loves to wander. One time there was this guy who walked past us at the dog park. He did not like him one bit. And even when that guy was on the opposite side of the park, like hundreds of feet away, uh-huh. Jackson would not get more than six feet away from me. Wow. He was so uncomfortable. That, you know, there's something to be said. And they, they know a lot, not just about bad things too. They know when you're not feeling good. Oh. They know when, I mean, I've heard of dogs predicting labor. And um, I don't know how true that is. I was so hopeful. He didn't give a crap about any of my pregnancies oh. or labors. Wrigley would just lay on my belly all the time with his head on my belly. And I was like, oh, and then no. (laughs) So, but I think it's because he knew his bestie was in there waiting to come out. That's so sweet. I know. They are besties. They do. They just know so much. And that was one of my favorite lines of the whole book where uh, January was writing a goodbye letter to Samuel. So she'd go off and she was like, she's like, and I'm going to leave you bad. You take good care of him. P.S.J.K. No, I'm not. I'm taking him. I don't deserve him, but that's just how it goes with dogs, isn't it? That was the best line. So I was switching back and forth between audiobook and actually reading this book, which I have to give proper kudos to the voice actor who did this audiobook. She was absolutely fantastic. Great, great voice actor. Unfortunately, I didn't catch her name because I was so rushed this week. So I apologize, but she was fantastic. That being said, I was cooking dinner tonight and got to that part where she says, oh, just kidding. I'm actually taking the dog. And I was laughing out loud because I was like, how could you do that? How could you leave him behind? Oh, good. You did it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that so much. Yeah, it was because that was totally something I would do like, where I'd be so dramatic and be like, you take him and you take good care of him. I don't deserve him. And then I'm like, no, never mind. We never deserve dogs. No, we don't. Uh, they're too good for us. And they are. Uh, one more last thing. My sweet pupper's birthday is tomorrow. Oh, happy birthday, Jackson. I know. Oh. Everybody should go wish him a happy birthday on Instagram. You totally should. Because um, I'm going he's to. He's the cutest. We'll celebrate him all week, too. Yay! He'll be our little bad mascot. Oh, good. That's perfect timing. All right. So let's completely switch gears. Have you ever heard of six-word stories? Uh, on Reddit? In general. I heard about it in, like, English class. No. When I, I was a kid. I think they're a pretty popular thing, though. They are. I'm not sure the exact origins, but I remember when I was going over it in high school, we had to like write our own, and it's basically how to tell a full story in one sentence that is specifically six words. The example, and one of the more famous ones, was written by Ernest Hemingway, who wrote, For Sale, Baby Shoes, 
never worn. I don't know why I thought of that like specifically, and I just knew before I even counted the words, but there was a sentence, a six-word sentence in this book that spoke volumes to me as well. It was, they were never willingly parted again. How did you feel reading or hearing that sentence, depending on where you were at, <laughs> when we were still in the warm and fuzzy part of Ad and Yule's love story? Well, if I remember correctly, wasn't it immediately followed with, if only he were a better man and a, or a better husband and a better father. So I kind of felt a little bit of dread because I'm like, the other shoe is about to drop. Some shit's going to go down. So I kind of was starting to get I don't even remember hint. what it was followed with, but it was it definitely just such a feeling of impending doom. Yes, yes. So, I mean, how did you feel with that? Oh, gosh. Their whole love story did have that tinge of something bad is going to happen. There was one point where even after January had been born, Yule was watching Aid in January just like lying in the sun or something. And it was basically saying something along the lines of it was like he was mourning it before it was even over because yeah. he knew he could never get this moment back. Yeah. And just that whole feeling well, do you think that he was the type of person who was constantly stuck in the present, or I'm sorry, constantly stuck in the future and in the past and not really focusing on the present since he was. I don't know, about because that? do you think his acknowledgement and acceptance of the fact that it would be over and done made him appreciate it more? Maybe. And someone who didn't think those thoughts might be taking it for granted? I feel Thursday Murder Club vibes coming back. Why? feeling of like feeling of appreciation in the moment like the mother-daughter relationship that we saw in the Thursday Murder Club. Hmm. And the the first what was that line that you something about you always we, we know when it's about the it. first. Yeah, you always you know, know when it's it, Yeah. I think there are some people you'll maybe Taylor, maybe Kimmy <laughs> that do, you know, wonder about the ending as they're enjoying moments yeah and i don't know why it's something i've been doing lately with my house in a weird way i love it because as much as you know we could stay here forever and be so happy and we know that both me and my husband don't find this to be our forever home because we want to go sail around the world and search for doors uh-huh and so sometimes i just walk this house and i'll be like I will always look back on this with such love and it will always be like one of the favorite best times of my life. <gasps> okay. <laughs> All right. Moving on before she starts crying. <laughs> I got real close there. I know. I saw them welling. All right. Don't do it. Don't do it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> or we're going to have to take another ad break for more wine. <laughs> She's drinking more wine. Damn right I am. <laughs> I am a seven. I do not deal with feelings. We have discussed this in many episodes. <laughs> oh, we'll talk about feelings all day, beginning and endings. Oh, I, I don't even care. No. Just call me January. Yeah, but then I have a FOMO, fear of missing out on discussions and life and everything. So that's why I uh, go along with your, your schemes to get me to talk about feelings, and it's bullshit. You, you know how to so, play me. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. But I love you. <laughs> we're getting on tangents tonight it's fun <laughs> it is so in this book 
There are actual literal doors with a capital D. However, January touches on more abstract doors and says that books and true love are doors. What do you think is the most powerful door? Can you think of any other abstract ones that she did not mention? I absolutely love this. And honestly, this made me think of the invisible life of Addie LaRue. Me too. So much. And that's one of, like, some of the doors and stuff I thought was, you know, the creativity. Uh Uh-huh. And thus taking ideas. Uh Uh-huh. And planting them to songs or art or what have you, like Addie was so good at doing. Yeah. And then even memories, to be honest, because with Addie, she wanted an escape or a door, if you will, to what she lost. And so she kept going home because of those memories and, you know, holding on to the hope of what she knew. Yeah, that's a good point. And so I think on one hand, doors can be something that gives you an escape, Uh but on the other, it can also be something that gives you hope. Sure. It just depends on what you're leaving and what you're going to. The beginning and the ending. <laughs> the here and Sensing the there. A theme. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, good memories. Uh, even January touched on how she would be picnicking with Jane and she would discuss how that felt like such a safe harbor. And she kind of hated it while she was going through it. This is so mundane. It's so boring. We do this all the time, just go read in the field with our basket of food. But then later, she was like, I would go anything to go back to that safe place. And then there are bad memories, which kind of, you know, they're terrible in their own way. Um, And at one point, Mr. Locke gets a hold of Samuel and completely erases his memory of January, which I'm not saying that that's a bad memory, but um, people often want their bad memories to be taken away. And so when memories in general were taken away against his will, uh, January called that an act more violent than that of a vampire who sucks the life out of warm beings. And all of this, just the whole deletion of memories, if you will, reminded me of the movie, you're welcome, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. That just so happens to be one of my favorite movies. That's such a fucking good movie! That movie left me shook. Yes! Like... Not even shitting you shook for days after watching it. That movie is, it's fucking something else. It really is. So good. And it's crazy that Jim Carrey was so amazing in it. He was. And basically, if you haven't seen that movie, it's the premise where there's a company that offers a service where they will go in and delete your bad memories or just memories that you no longer wish to have. And basically these people went through a bad breakup and wanted to erase ever knowing each other at all. So just, oh gosh, you want to talk about that movie more? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so this is uh, the Lost Chill movie edition. <laughs> that is uh, the name of this episode <laughs> because that is apparently what we're doing today. There is one scene in that movie that still sticks out to me. And it is a scene where he is walking up and down the street. And when he thinks that he's getting to his destination, all of a sudden he's at the opposite end of the street of where he was trying to go. And it's this dream sequence. And I'm like, oh my God, they captured a dream perfectly. Mm -hmm. Because I was like, that is exactly what a dream feels like sometimes. Where you're trying to do something and you just can't. 
Yes, I hate that. Yes. Isn't it weird? I have like some recurring themes in my dream. And one of them is I will often end up like needing to fight to save myself Uh for some reason. And for whatever reason, when I am in a dream, I can like never, ever, 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 ever punch someone. I like, can't either. My arms are just lead. It's so yes. weird. Or they don't work. Yeah. Or anything like that. Or I can't run. And so, yeah, it's so weird. It's, yes. And so things like that, that movie perfectly captured what a dream feels like and to actually see it. And I love talking about sleep anyway, because I think it's very interesting because everybody has different sleep habits, dreams, all of those things that, that revolve around sleep. And the fact that that could visualize and show you that, Hey, this isn't just you that does these things. It was really kind of cool to see. And that movie just, in general, just stuck with me for days after I watched it. Years. It's been years since I've seen that movie. And I just absolutely loved it. I did too. And I was just... I think the Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is actually from a poem. They mentioned that in the movie, right? I cannot remember I th- that I think part. So, I don't but remember that. I don't know. I was just always... We do not fact check, by the way. <laughs> just throwing that shit out there now. Um, I was just always so enthralled with the idea of like how those consequences would pay, play out. So right now I'm looking something up. There was a book with a similar premise, but it was, it was super fucked up, I'll be honest. There was this new therapy they were using where they would erase people's memories of traumatic incidents that they went through. And I think it talked about someone with PTSD from like being in war, but then it also talked the main focus and character was a girl who had been raped at a party and they erased the memory of that because they like thought it would help both of them cope but really they still needed therapy and to work through it but like the pain was still there but they didn't know why anymore Uh and so it was kind of just crazy and that's something that I think would be like a huge thing of, you know, they're experiencing all these feelings and they don't even know why. And that almost makes it harder to cope. Well, and, you know, in, in the epilogue, it talked about Samuel feeling those things and how he felt this hole in his heart, but he couldn't figure out why. And even when he saw, what the fuck is her name? January? January, the name of the book. Yeah. <laughs> when he saw January after... Uh, everything had kind of calmed down. He couldn't even, you know, figure out who she was, but he knew that she was sparking some sort of feeling inside of him, but he had no idea why. Yes. Which was insane that the mind still makes that connection, even though the memory is gone. And who's to know if that's like legit or not, you know, because because it's not not a real thing. Yeah. Um, But it's interesting to think about. I did find the book. It is called All Is Not Forgotten by Wendy Walker. That sounds very familiar, but I don't... It came out in 2016. Okay. So I was probably reading it when I was reading all the things, but... Yeah, all the things. You're reading all the things now. It's wild. It is. (laughs) Uh, So I guess... So, sorry, we had all this discussion, got off on our little tangent about the movie and memories and all that. So, you as a seven... Me as a seven. Who loves your good times only, hates feelings, no sadness, feelings bad, sadness, no, all those things. 
Would you prefer a portal where the good memories are holding on to you? That's a Taylor Swift Easter egg. Or one where all the bad are just simply erased. She's speechless. <laughs> I'm trying to think because... Do you want the eternal sunshine of the spotless mind? I don't. Or do you want to exist in a world where you have your safe harbor picnicking with your best friends in the sunshine, but eventually the picnic ends and there's still bad shit in the world? I don't want that. I don't. You can't have both. I want what what is now. Like, I know it sucks having to deal with bad shit, but it there's a reason for it. And I understand that mentally, Just... psychologically, all of those things. There is a reason that you have the good with the bad, but it doesn't mean I fucking like it. <laughs> and that it doesn't mean that I immediately want to run from every single problem that I encounter in my life. But... It makes you a better person for facing problems head on. It makes you a better person for dealing with feelings that you don't want to deal with. Working through them in a manner that is healthy. Quit laughing at me. I am being very... Are are you sure? Are you just reading your psychology textbook to me? (laughs) I don't want that. (laughs) No, I I mean, I don't know. I, I I wouldn't want that in reality. If if I was living, if I had the choice, I would not want that. Even though I say all the time I'm a seven and I don't want to deal with feelings, but I do. Feelings have their purpose. They do, unfortunately. The fours win again, and it's the uh, eight who cares about the winning. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> it's like they constantly fight to see who gets to come out. <laughs> they do. It's a hoop. At one point, January's explaining that words were never meant to be prisons, locked and suffocating and safe but argued that they were supposed to be great rambling houses with all the windows thrown open and the wind and summer rain rushing through them. Do you agree with her? Do you think the doors should be open? What this made me immediately think of was kind of hearts (laughs) and people in that, you know, people are so afraid of putting themselves out there. Yeah. Of, you know, catching feelings. Catching those feels. For others, you know, that kind of thing. That they, like, create a wall. Yes. And they don't want to let anyone in. Correct. Because they don't want to get hurt. And so I enjoy that that specifically said, yes, it was safe, but that's not how it's meant to be. And I think back to that whole abstract doorway thing that kind of, you know, our hearts and maybe then our connection with other people. It's not supposed to be shut off. Yeah. Even if that's safer, we're meant to be wide open. And yeah, things can come in. The summer rains and storms can come in. Yeah. But so can the light and the good and the connection. So whatever, keep those doorways wide open. Well, that's kind of what I always, going back to my sevenness and FOMO, I have a huge <laughs> case of FOMO. And that's why I always try to say yes to as many things as I can. Because if I say yes to more things, there's more of a chance that I'm going to find things that I may not have enjoyed. Do you just really like Jim Carrey movies and you want to be Yes Man? (laughs) (laughs) Also a cable guy. Oh, wow. All righty then. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we should not have a movie podcast. No, we're much better at books because I don't watch that many movies. But yeah, we'll we'll leave that to James and maybe my husband one day. 
We got those ones. So do you think doors should be open? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And hearts. Keep your hearts open. Let love in. And magic. And maybe heartache. And uh... pain. <laughs> oh man, sometimes I just troll her because it's fun. Sometimes. All the time? I mean, you know, sometimes I take a break and like put my phone down or you drive home. Oh, that's home true. Or something. <laughs> you know, every now and then. Yeah, every now and again. So let's explore the world written for a little bit. I love that it was called written. <laughs> I don't know why. This so, is fun. Side note, going back to this, I just like how a lot of the books we've read lately all focus on the love of words and books. Yeah. Which, you know, it's it's fitting that authors who write. Right. I just <laughs> <laughs> It's fitting that they love words and books too. So I just really enjoy that. And so she really played it up here and had this whole world called Written where there was a common gift among the people where they could simply write things into existence. They were called word workers. And it was mentioned, you know, they couldn't do the impossible, like bring someone back from the dead or make something just appear out of thin air. Uh, but, you know, they could you know, kind of make things bend to a certain way more likely to happen, increase the odds, that kind of thing. But it was also physically draining to do this word magic. And... Most didn't want to risk much more than a nosebleed, so they didn't put too much into it. Um, from there, it talks about folklore and legends and stories too outlandish to be believable. So tell me your thoughts on the power of the written word. As far as what could happen for the word writers, the word? Uh, anything. Like, do you think that there is power in this world in words? Do you? Sure see how draining it might be like just tell me your thoughts on words and their power they're cool moving on i'm just kidding <laughs> they coo they coo <laughs> in um, as least words possible that's what i'm gonna do how concise of you thank you and there's a 40 character limit here on this podcast we're not twitter oh, okay um no i just i think that the written word is extremely powerful because it is there forever, especially in this day and age. You make what? <laughs> I just like to smile at you oh. when you make such good points. Everything is on the internet. My friend Dumbledore, he told me that words are the most inexhaustible form of magic. Who's that guy? Um, He's a headmaster of the school. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Basically a principal. Oh, okay cool guy he sounds really neat yeah. he has half moon spectacles cool <laughs> yeah um so if anyone is surprised it might be the first time i ever do this i'm going to share a quote and i have two points to make with the quote maybe three we'll see all stories even the meanest folk tales matter they are artifacts in pamphlets, riddles and histories they are red threads that we may follow out of the labyrinth it is my hope that this story is your thread, and at the end of it, you find a door. One. <laughs> does the word pamplecest ring a bell to you? Genuinely, it? does it? Yeah. It? Yeah, fucking should. No. Hmm. Hmm. You know who loved that word, and she discovered it in France? Oh, dear Jesus. No, it wasn't Jesus, <laughs> and it wasn't Taylor Swift. Oh, was it? It was fucking Addie LaRue. Because do you know what it means? 
So what it means literally is when they ran out of scrolls back in the day or whatever, or just writing things, they would scrape off the words and just write over it, like recycle their paper basically, but it was obviously thicker than paper, like lambskin or whatever. And what was written before would still be lingering there, but it wouldn't last. It would disappear. So it's kind of like when you write on a notepad and your impression from your pen or pencil is still there. And you can trace over kind with of a like pencil that. and you can see the words. But Addie loved this word. It was mentioned multiple times. It's sort of starting to ring a bell now. She was fascinated with it because it was the idea of something technically being erased, but the trace of it still lingered and was still there. Okay. That does ring a bell now that you bring that. Ring, okay. ring. <laughs> Two. I really enjoyed how it talked about even the bad stories matter because we need the good and the bad. But talked about there the red thread falling out of the labyrinth. Maybe it's not red, though. It could be red or it could be an invisible string. Both are Taylor Swift references, so I'm good with them. <laughs> Either one. But I, I like keeping tally of how many Taylor Swift references we have this episode. 13. Seeing as you wrote this It's 13. Script. I already know. Okay. <laughs> fucking no i wouldn't put it past you for it to be 13 uh but anyways i do genuinely just love that idea of stories being what guides us through this crazy thing called life i love it i love it so oh gosh i don't know we i just... needed to talk about oh so at the beginning of this episode i mentioned how there was a little bit of a tie to Mexican Gothic. It was that the villain with a capital V, uh-huh, she references that in this book, villain with a capital V. And he was also an eternal being who needed to be... Like loose? <laughs> go on, go on. I'm not opening up that can of worms this episode. There will be You're no open name up that debates. door. I'm still reeling from the fact that I now have Frozen songs in my head. So, (laughs) but he was an eternal being that needed to be taken out as well because he was a little bit too powerful. Although Mexican Gothic was a lot darker in that sense and grosser. And yeah, there were some gross parts. Um, But it was still a good book since... I don't want to get too much into that because I don't want to give spoilers on that book. We warn about spoilers in this book, obviously at the beginning of this episode, but um, if you're looking for something darker and a little bit grosser, I guess go for Mexican Gothic. There's no doors though. Well, I'm sure they have doors in their house, but <laughs> <laughs> there's no doors with a capital D. Wow. You just spent a lot of time saying absolutely nothing you're about something. Welcome. <laughs> I just wanted to come full circle and close it's, the loop there. I'm sure everyone really wants to go read Mexican Gothic now after that spiel. How could you not? I'm selling it. But while we're talking about circles, uh, another thing I randomly liked was how she was talking about having kids always takes you back to your beginning. Yes. I loved that. So it true. does. It does. Uh, I love my babies. Because you want to do stuff with them that you did as a kid and share your experiences and And make them. a better life for yeah. them. And so you learn and you get introspective to 
you know, really determine what they need and deserve and how to do that. Right. Oh, man. I love it. Full circle. Full circle. It's the circle of life. I had that shirt on earlier today. Oh. It's Hakuna Matata. My daughter is really loving The Lion King lately. The one who can watch TV. (laughs) The other one's still grounded. (laughs) That was a joke. (laughs) You laughed and then you got confused. That was weird. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we need to cut this. We need to wrap this shit up because we're getting too silly. Okay, so as you might know, we have a TLC rating system for every book we read. One through five stars. Five is an all-time favorite book. Four, great, I want to find more books by this author. Three, this was a solid book. It was a really good book. Two, not very good, could have lived without reading it. And one, why the fuck did I waste my time on this rubbish? Kimberly, what do you give it? My name is Kimmy. Yeah, well, you called me Caitlin earlier. I did? Yes. Oh, fuck. (laughs) I give it a four, hands down, I think. I think I... If anything, I was torn between five and four. Really? I loved this book. You were raving about it all week. I really did. I think it was just so well written. It is my second most highlighted book of the year besides Addie LaRue. Wow. I was just so intrigued. I couldn't stop reading. I couldn't stop highlighting. I loved the characters. I loved Bad. (laughs) It made me happy. And obviously... I don't, I don't even know what drew me to this book. I have no idea. Did you pick this one? Yeah. I don't know. That's so strange for you. It's not like your typical I know. story either. And it, it just like, I don't know. Something just drew me to it. And for whatever reason, I already knew I wanted to read more by her. Yes, I you did. You were pushing. One. Yeah. And, and then I have no you're idea. pushing it. It's like it was just calling to yeah, me. Maybe. Maybe it's from another door. Wow. Maybe. So. What do you give it? I am still on the book hangover right now, seeing as I listened to that blog on the way over here. I'm going to be completely honest and say that at the beginning, I texted you about, I don't know, 75 pages in, somewhere around there, and I said, I fucking hate this book. I don't know if I can get through it. However, I did text you, quit giving me the death stare. Sorry, you need a brush is all. (laughs) there that's better they can't see me (laughs) well that's what i was staring at you told me to stop giving you a look oh i texted you a short period after and i said i feel like i'm going to actually end up loving this book you did. did it was weird it was very strange because i just had a feeling and that goes back to at the beginning i was pretty often switching back and forth between reading and listening Mm -hmm. and I was listening in the car and then I would get somewhere and I could read for a little bit and then I would get back in the car and and do those things and so there was like some gaps in between so I really couldn't get into it at the beginning and I think that me and this book got off to a rough start however we mended our relationship yay and as of right now, and granted, I still have to go through the the process of finishing a book and not just being like, oh, that was amazing. And you have to like <laughs> Five process. Five stars for me. Yeah. <laughs> and you have to process it and make sure that that's the correct selection. 
You don't just give willy-nilly readings. I might have a willy-nilly Instagram, but I do not give willy-nilly readings. Oh, my. So, that being said, I give this book a four. Oh, thank God. (laughs) I was really worried you wouldn't read the next one with me. Yeah, no, I, I definitely will. Actually, that one intrigues me a little bit more than this one did. So... That's not surprising. Why? Because there's witches? I don't really even know the synopsis of it. We should have done that for Women's History Month. We're doing it for Witch Month. I don't know if you noticed, but I found a V.E. Schwab witch book, but I think it might be short, but I found one. (laughs) Is it on the list? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll look at it. Anywho. So, yeah, double fours. Yeah. That's an eight. (laughs) That is an eight. I've got four fours on my back! I'm an eight. <laughs> what is up with Miss Hawaiian Tropic? We've gotten off on some tangents tonight. If you get those references, I'll buy you a book. Just kidding. Then we buy Lindsay and all of our friends a book. <laughs> I'm going to take that far out. You'd be buying like five books for just everybody you know. Mm-hmm. So we hope that you enjoyed 10,000 Doors. Hold on. We hope that you enjoy the 10,000 Doors of January. I don't know why my voice got all fancy. Because really, really, I'm fine. (laughs) I'm fine. (laughs) We want to hear your thoughts too, though. Please reach out to us on social media at The Lost Chill on Instagram and Facebook. We are going to be discussing this book all week. So join us there. While you're giving us your thoughts on this book, give us a follow. So you always know what other books we'll be reading and... All sorts of fun stuff. Follow our other Instagrams at Katie's Lost Chill and at Kidney's Lost Chill. Also, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you don't have to worry about missing an episode. New episodes come out every Tuesday morning just in time to have with some coffee. Next week, we will be discussing Nick by Michael Ferris Smith. And the following week, we'll be discussing The Memory Police by Yoko Agawa. We also have our full schedule for the rest of March and April listed on Facebook and Instagram. We are so thankful for everyone who has tuned into our show, and we can't wait to hear your thoughts about this book. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Aww.